So you may have heard that I'm working on this thing in Marin County, a video production studio, where we can make all kinds of cool stuff. We can rent the space out, we can make our own content. It's gonna be fun. And I'm doing it with this guy, Sam Lamont. But there's this other guy, Reese Zucchine, and he's, well, he's basically the tech guy. If Reese doesn't show up to work, the lights don't turn on, the water doesn't work, gravity fails, you know, the windows won't open. He sits down at a desk, works his magic, and takes some of the worst material I've ever made and turns it into something that looks like some of the best material I've ever made. He's really amazing. And he repairs watches and clocks. He likes strange colors, and he has a girlfriend who's obsessed with mushrooms. We're also going to look at Reese's relationship with Sam, how all three of us function together. We talk about the need for authenticity in a friendship. We talk about our childhoods. We share a lot. But most of all, Reese is just a really, really fascinating guy. I don't know, but I think he should have his own show. He's easily one of the most straightforward, grounded people I've ever met. He told me that he thinks that him and I are one disaster away from becoming lifelong friends. Hmm. Anyway, just, just keep listening. It's a really interesting conversation. So, Reese, hi. Hello. Your last name is spelled... Z-E-C-C-H-I-N. It's pronounced Zucchini. That's weird. It sounds like Zucchini. Yeah. So, what? Um, tell me about that. Well, everyone always, always mispronounced my last name, but Zucchini is it's it's from Venice. It's a Venetian last name, which is why it doesn't have a vowel at the end, like so many other Italian last names with a vowel. Like Zucchini? Yeah. Most Italian last names have a vowel at the end, or they were dropped in Ellis Island or whatever. No, Zucchini is, is as it was in Venice, and it's derived from Zucchino, which is a gold coin that was minted. It was the longest continuously minted coin in the history of mankind oh yeah if you ever see belly dancers and stuff with little itty bitty gold coins sequins sequin mm -hmm. is a retranslation of the last name the zucchino coin so sequin is a Keen. translated oh, version of my last name fascinating so if i was a fabulous um performer i would be reese sequin yeah. <laughs> that's so but cool. uh yeah so it, it's uh based off of zucchino so it's literally minting minting money oh that's cool. cool last name all right that's the the, the origin of Zakine. That's neat. So I don't know Reese at all. Like I've, I've known Sam for a bit. And if you've listened to the previous episode, you know how I know Sam. But I met Reese maybe first time when? I think it was about a month after we incorporated. So February 3rd or 4th. So Reese's role is basically producer. He mixes, he cuts, he slices, he dices, he sets up all the tech, he messes with the mics, he makes sure everybody looks good and sounds good. And is basically if Reese isn't there, nothing happens. I'm a quasi-professional Sam Wrangler. Because Sam, Sam sometimes doesn't want to go to work and Reese will go over and put a noose around his ankle and drag him in. Yeah, I, re I was reading about cheetahs and captivity okay. and it reminded me of Sam. How does so cheetahs, when they're, <laughs> when they're little cubs, kittens, whatever they are, an infant cheetah in a zoo, they will give them a puppy, not uh -huh. to eat, but to grow up with. Oh. And so there'll be a golden retriever in the cheetah enclosure with the cheetah oh. and, and they become inseparable. And I was always thinking, oh, yeah, you know, you go to the zoo to see the cheetah, but the cheetah is this high strung, incredibly charming and interesting animal, but ultimately needs a golden retriever sitting next to it so it doesn't just vibrate itself to death and right. just get too agitated. So there's this photo of a cheetah standing next to a golden retriever, both about the same age, I guess, and hanging out. And I'm like, yeah, Sam, I think, needs a stabilizing person in his life. Mm hmm. I also need someone who is high strung and moving quickly for me to keep up with. Oh, it's a good combo. I've had other projects before and they're just sort of, I move at a, a pretty slow pace to do anything. And Sam's sort of frenetic blasts of energy, ah. I find uh, inspiring and invigorating. And I can, 
it gives me something to do. Right. And so keeping up with him and me sort of plodding along doing the same thing, I think is a good personality combo. Uh, I've enjoyed working with him in the past for that exact reason. Yeah. So Sam and I were talking yesterday about complementary opposites and how they can either clash horribly or work really well together. For instance, if you were slow and you're like in a, in a bad situation, his his frenetic energy would really annoy you, and your you know your drag ass from <laughs> would drive him crazy. But the two of you instead have flipped that and recognized that these things can help one another. So before we get into you and Sam more, let's talk a little about you. I feel like my real introduction to Reese came when we were all breaking for lunch. And I don't eat fast food, but apparently these guys do. And they were going to go to McDonald's, which I have eaten. I think I've eaten there three times in my life now because I'm an elitist snob, of course. And so I was really hungry. One thing I do remember about McDonald's is that their portions are tiny. Like the hamburgers are like, it's like, there's a reason they're like a dollar. So I looked to Reese and I said, Reese, what's the largest thing on the McDonald's menu? And Reese paused, looked up in the air and said, Double quarter pounder with cheese deluxe. And how did you know that, Reese? I saw the menu once once or yeah once or he just glanced at the menu so what's the second largest thing on the mcdonald's menu well i think it would be the the single quarter pounder with and cheese deluxe and, and yeah. beneath that well actually no i think they have a new thing i saw it on a bus uh-huh they have a big mac deluxe now which has the quarter pounder patty inside it but it has three buns like see, the like the big see mac. what's happening right now ladies and gentlemen is reese is accessing his near photographic memory and simply reading what he sees on the sides insides of his head yeah? yeah you're just reading it like yeah. you would read a book yeah it's crazy can't spell though so well that's something doesn't translate that's fine what, what else it's entirely what else? visual so what else what else can you memorize like what tell me how many digits of pi can you recite uh none i'm, none. Ter- I'm, I'm terrible at math okay i'm doing all the accounting for the business and i just go oh, home shit. and i tell veronica i'm a very bad accountant this is very difficult my brain is tired <laughs> oh, no but uh a lot of visual stuff. Colors, faces, a number of patties and a Big Mac on the side of a bus. We were measuring the room because we're hanging uh, soundproofing and you were really giddy about finding the one true center of the wall. Yes. Like you had measured it perfectly and like that was the line and that was important. And Sam comes up and looks at it and goes, why are you drawing on the wall? Like it's the one true center. We and, have that. And Sam was like, but I could, I could just tell you where it is. I don't need to draw the fuck up the wall. And like you guys are both so particular. Like you're both like, I, I could give a shit about the one true center and I could give a shit if there's a mark on the wall. I just think the whole thing is stupid. If it were up to me, I would just hang the soundproofing randomly, like at random spots around the wall and just make a big like mural of soundproofing. <laughs> like that would be my solution. Just cut and it out. That, the that, shape. that is a confidence in interior design I can't share with you. Well, the point is, is that the, the two of you are, are similar in kind of a way that I'm not, which I don't know. Anyway, so how old are you? 35. 35. Can you tell me a little bit about your history, who you are, and all that stuff? I grew up in the South Bay in Los Gatos, California Okay. in the 90s and early 2000s. So the first dot-com bubble was over, and the second dot-com bubble was rising, and went to school with a lot of kids who had new tech money, was always fascinated in tech and computers and things. Got to high school and just did not like high school, so I transferred to School of the Art San Francisco and lived with my grandparents. Graduated. I went to school for industrial design in Rochester, mm-hmm. New York met Veronica and then moved back here and was working at Tech Shop. Veronica moved out a year later because she graduated a year after me. And then I met Sam at Tech Shop. Uh, Tech Shop was? Tech Shop uh, was a makerspace. The first time you met Sam, uh, you were working behind the desk? Yeah, I was working at the front desk and the princess came in. His reputation preceded him. Princess? 
yeah, everyone always talked about this eccentric princess artist manager at Tech Shop who was in charge of the curriculum, who always got his way, and um, to just sort of nod and agree. And he did his own thing. He would come in after hours and do art, and he was cooler than you could ever, ever be. So just give him a wide berth and don't get on his bad side. And so His Royal Highness opened the door and walked in. I was not 100% aware of who it was, but there was a swagger that I was like, oh, yeah, I bet this is the Sam that I haven't met. He comes in, and I think he had, I don't know why, but he immediately started accusing me of being a serial killer that popped up in San Francisco. He's he's like, I know I know what you are. I know who you are. He walked straight up to your desk and just looked at you and said... Yeah, I was at work at the time doing customer service. You looked at him and you said... Well, he was accusing me, and I was smiling the entire time because I was at the front desk, and I prided myself on doing a good job. And you, I was in customer service, so I was... What were you feeling while he was doing that? Uh, Sort of waiting for him to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, so this is that. And then uh, I just said, takes one to know one. And just <laughs> kept on smiling and making eye contact. You short-circuited him. <laughs> and it, yeah, and I saw a little bit of smoke come out of his ear. I saw a, a, a little clock spring sort of fall out of place. <laughs> and I think there was a, a ping or a knocking sound that came out of his brain. And then he like walked away. <laughs> and he came back and uh, later and we just started talking about, I have no idea what. We were just talking, we were just chatting. That's hilarious. That was that. And you guys just became friends just... Yeah. Wanted- like all good friendships, I started out not wanting to like him. Like every good friendship I've had started out with, I don't like this person. Okay. And then sort of the curiosity of, well, why? And then in doing that, that process of saying, well, why don't you like this person? You get to know them more. Right. And in getting to know them more, you end up becoming better friends. What is it like getting to know me? Um... Well, I'm still in the process of doing it. So I know that. Like That's why I'm asking the question. I think if you were to ask me in two and a half years. Super awkward. Yeah. No, it's not awkward. It's just incomplete. It is. It's a, it might be a bad question. What do you know so far about Reese and Ben's connection? I think we are one catastrophe from being spectacular friends. <laughs> I think I think That's you nice. and me need to be forged in some sort of terrible maelstrom of shit. Okay. And in that... I think one of us will reach out to the other and grab the other person and pull each other up. I don't know who yet. I'm fine with either. So the Kraken will get released. And yeah. I will. And I, and, I, and I feel like that is going to be the catalyst for our lifelong friendship that we have to look forward to. Okay. Or one of us will die. Either way, we'll, we'll know each other for the rest of our lives. That's hilarious. Yeah. And you got nice use of the word maelstrom. Thank I've, you. I've not heard anyone use that except me. No one knows what a maelstrom is. It's a big vortex in the ocean right it's a whirlpool that, that huge. Pulls, pull things in yeah it's the uh, analogy that i use for depression oh good they're so huge that you don't even know you're going down oh i think that's where i've heard it recently you were talking to sam about that was i yeah we were hanging out in the studio and you were, you were talking to sam behind me and you were talking about oh, okay. the, him being in a the outer foray of a, a maelstrom kind of being sucked in well you think you're going straight and then you're curving you're actually curving uh you didn't ask but when i think of you i think of hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy i'm a towel no no um when, you know how he reads the entry on Earth, yeah, and it's harmless, and then the new edition comes out when after they have nuclear bombs and yeah. all this shit, and it's mostly harmless. I, I see you. I saw you as mostly harmless, but except for and then one day I'm coming into the studio. You are at the computer, and you're like, "Shit, get bleep bleep bleep, fuck this shit, kick," in all like the worst swear words I've ever heard, and it's all directed at the computer. And I'm like, "This guy is a fucking." is a dragon like i i thought you were this mild man because the thing is reese's girlfriend is into mushrooms right yes yeah she growing and growing and forging and And reese for reasons like i can't quite articulate kind of like if if the mushroom was a person it's not that he's like wide and and like like round it's he's quiet and sturdy and and sort of i don't know low to the ground and sort of 
Like I don't like ladders. He doesn't like ladders. He's seemingly inert and he's a mushroom. And of course his girlfriend likes him because she likes mushrooms. But you are not a mushroom. She liked me first. Right. But well, she yes. So you introduced her to mushrooms. You were the first mushroom. Yeah, I guess you could put it that but way. But the thing is, but you're not a mushroom because a mushroom does not sit and express the level of vitriol towards inanimate objects that I have seen come out of you, which is scary. Like I would not want to deal with you in a dark alley if I was a computer. I would lose. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I think I have underlying rage that I work really hard to manage. I was a very angry kid. Okay. My sad emotions manifest into anger instead of sadness. Mm-hmm. I rarely get angry at people. Sometimes I get angry at people. But usually it's the computer malfunctioning or a check engine light or bad drivers or not accelerating onto the freeway at the right speed or my own failures. So you sublimate your anger towards things that can't lash back. Well, I think I just have this lust for everything to work correctly. And if everyone merges on the freeway at the correct speed, that works correctly. Mm-hmm. If everything is working in my car, I don't get a check engine light. And that breakdown in functionality does get a really angry response out of me. I also think that not understanding something also is a breakdown in functionality. So when I don't when I get confused, I I do get angry. And so if I'm confused about my own emotions, right. I will also uh, respond in anger. So it's a there's a lack of control. <sighs> I don't know if it's a control thing. I think that's a convenient answer. Yeah. But I don't think that's what it is because there are times where I'm not in control and I'm quite happy. Is it a fear thing that this is going to get away from you and it's like it's going to get you? Yeah, it might be. Yeah. I've been afraid. I didn't get angry. So I don't know. I don't know what it is. I do like working on watches and clocks and I find that extraordinarily relaxing and fun. A big part of it is it's this tiny little universe where everything has a place and everything works correctly. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, it does a defined, beautiful thing. It, it is counting parts of a second accurately. And we synchronize them all together. And then they all kind of, they're not talking to each other, but they're all doing the same thing over and over again. Right. And doing it well, hopefully. But then you open up a, a watch or a clock that's not working and you know what the end objective is. You know how all the different parts work. And you and can usually- so many parts. Yeah, so many parts, but you know what, they all have a purpose. They all, you can, and you can see where, oh, it's a piece of dirt. Oh, this spring broke. Yeah. Oh, this is missing. Oh, there's a piece of piece of dirt right. stuck in between a tooth. And you can clean it and you can bring it back to its original state. Yeah, like I went over to a friend's house the other night and his stove, like they've been cleaning up their house and getting new rugs and getting couches and it's just beautiful. And their fucking stove, it's one of those white stoves. You know the white, really nice white enamel stoves mm-hmm. and people get those black stains on them and yeah. you, can, you can like scrub them and the black stain looks so, like everything's clean around the stain because the stain just yeah. won't go anywhere. So I got out a fucking butter knife Yeah. and I went to work on those stains. Good. And I spent an hour and a half scraping up this stuff. And by the end, the stove was completely looked like a new stove and I was in a state of zen. I could not be, no one no one in the universe could have upset me at that moment. Yep. Is that how watches make you feel? Oh yeah. And also looking inside them, you also, there's also these things called witness marks where they're, you can see if you know, if you know what you're looking for, places where someone pried something or where something used to be or a whole life story of this object in things that have happened to it. Oh, it's not running, but you can clearly see, oh, it was dropped at one point. And so you can kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this was repaired at some point and someone replaced this with something else. And seeing all that and it's sort of half archaeology and history and half mechanics fixing stuff. I was like working on cars and things. And you also see the same thing of how something was repaired or, or what parts weren't currently available That's and sweet. how they got past the... Why didn't you become like a surgeon? Fix people, all the layers. I really didn't enjoy school. Oh. I wanted to get out of school as quickly as possible. You don't like reading or? Oh, I love reading. I, I I read. I do lifelong learning, all that stuff. I just couldn't stand being in school. Being told what to do, maybe? I don't know what it was. Do you have an authority issue? 
authority yeah. problem? Problem yeah. with authority? Good. Uh, I, I think like everyone it. does. Mm, some people less than others. Oh, that's fair. But yeah, no, I have a massive authority issue. We know when I was a kid, little kid, I wanted to join the military and, and I was like, I only want to do this if I can be a general. Oh, and I realized man. that's not how that works. So no, that kind of right. torpedoed that whole thing. Yeah, you can't start at the top. You can start at the top and make you work your way down to private. So you can start as a general and then become be a private yeah. by the time you're 80. Yeah, so that was kind of that. Um, do you think you think like most people? Do you think your brain works like most people's brains? My brain barely works, so I don't know. It seems to work really well. I mean, you do great at the studio. You cuss at the computers until they comply. That's yeah. That's a talent. I don't know. I don't think we can know how anyone else's brain works. Okay. I can barely think that we can agree on what things are, let alone how we think about that stuff. That's true. Um, I do know that I talk to some people and they describe things in a way that is wholly alien to me that I don't I don't understand. What's a thing that makes no sense to you that people do or say? I think because it I don't it doesn't make sense, I don't I can't remember it. What's your favorite color? Brown or gray. Brown or gray? Yeah. I really like that orangey red, that rust red color. That's good. That's so interesting. It's so specific and kind of um, dour. Not a fan of blue. Not a fan. I'll, of... I'll never choose blue. I mean, I wear. <laughs> I, I I like the ocean, but I like gray ocean. Um, like the wine dark sea. I like green if I'm looking at it through brown sunglasses. So you like green if you're looking at it. Yeah, you know when you have the, like the brown sunglasses and you look through it and all the green gets really bright. I don't know. So you like bright green. I think I like bright green. Yeah. Sam has a his favorite color is what? Pink. Pink, but a particular type of pink. It's it, like it, yeah, N1H1 pink. A fuchsia magenta. Fuchsia bright, magenta yeah. pink. And it's like has a code and he puts yeah. it on everything. And it's, yeah. I think it's the most obnoxious color I've ever seen, but he loves it. Yeah. That, that's what he loves. What's your favorite food? A really good apple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a, like a honey crisp apple? Uh, like a Fuji apple that's been in the refrigerator and taken out for five minutes. You ever had a honey crisp apple? I have had honey crisp apples. They're better too. than Fuji apples. I disagree with that statement. I like Fuji apples a lot. Honey crisps are good. The sugar bee that just came out, there was a new apple drop last year. That was pretty good. An apple drop? Yeah. You know, when the new apple comes out, they've been working on it for 20 years and all of a sudden now we have the sugar bee. Wait, wait which... hold on. Back up. So apple, not the computer, but they're... The, no, the tree. The tree. There's the tree. a new apple tree? Yeah, there's that... a new apple tree. It produces who, the, the... Who created the, a new apple tree? What? The, the apple farmers. Apple farmers? What are you talking about? They make, they make, they, they dropped a new... Tr- they they dropped a new apple. Like it's an album or something? Yeah. Big deal. The honeybee. Yeah, the, yeah, you asked me what my favorite food was. Of course, I'm going to be up. Well, on have the you current. had one? Yeah. Are they good? Yeah, they're really good. Are they better than Fuji's? Uh, they're a bit. They're they're a very sweet apple. I mean, they're called a sugar bee. Sugar they bee. Ha- yeah, they have a great bite, a great crisp when you bite into them. Okay. They're sweet. I don't know, kind of like the cotton candy grapes that came out a couple of years ago that, okay. were, that, that are, you know, like $40 a bushel or whatever, and, but you right. feel fancy as hell when you're eating them. And they're a bit too much. I like, I kind of like the, the Fuji. I also really like firm lasagna, not the soupy lasagna. Okay. You know, I feel like they should be two different foods. Um, <laughs> like when I say, like, I, I feel like I, I feel like such an asshole whenever I go to an Italian restaurant and I really want a lasagna. And I'm like, well, is it a firm, dry lasagna or is it a wet lasagna? It's a lasagna. Yeah, they're like, it's my my great granddaughter. I'm like, I don't care. How does she make it? Is it wet or is it dry? And I feel like they should be two different names because I would never order a wet lasagna. What's your favorite animal? To own or to look at? To look at. I think lions are pretty cool. Lions are Any cool. of those big cats are pretty like cool. Snakes? I have a snake. Yeah, neither here nor there on them. Neither is Sam. You yeah. guys don't care about snakes. What's no. wrong? You're not snake people. No, I I'm, honestly, I don't like pets. You don't like pets? No, I don't. Why do you have a girlfriend? Uh, that's as close as I'll get. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I, I I don't know. I had I had a puppy once, never a dog. Okay. Yeah. Never a dog. Yeah, Missy, a pu- Missy ate mushrooms and died. I was terrified of mushrooms. Uh, when was this? I think I was 18, 19. So hold on. You had a dog. No, I had a, pu- I had a puppy. You had a puppy that ate mushrooms and died, and then you found a girlfriend yeah. who likes and then she mushrooms. Got, and she likes foraging for mushrooms. And it took me a good year to become comfortable with that idea because- yeah, I found I found Missy the puppy. She was a little rat terrier. I was, I was training. Um, she was just in the backyard. 
uh, frothing in the mouth, kind of oh. flopping around. Oh. So the mushrooms didn't kill her. The vet did. But the vet was like, your puppy will never be fully functional again. And she's just suffering from here on out. So oh. that was tough. And so I was kind of always kind of terrified of mushrooms. My mom, my mom also hates mushrooms. Do you eat mushrooms? Yeah, I, I have no problem. I, I like most foods. What's your favorite mushroom? Lion's mane mushroom. Okay, I don't yeah, know what that a, is. It's a toothed mushroom. It, it kind of tastes like nondescript other shellfish. Have you ever taken hallucinogenic mushrooms? Yeah, of course. Oh, of course. Yeah. I didn't know. Tell me, tell me more. You I assumed everyone has. You said point. it so easily. Like, yeah, yeah, everyone takes mushrooms. Yeah. So what, what psychedelic drugs have you done? LSD, magic mushrooms. I mean, you can just go up and down parts of San Francisco, and there's ones that have been seated there. Seated there? The, yeah, like they uh, spored the whole area. They're mushrooms that aren't native here, but are and you can are eat thriving those? and living. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. they'll make you high? But you have to know what you're doing. Yes, you have to know what you're doing. Because yeah. you'll die if you pick the wrong one. Yeah, yeah. Mush- mushrooms will kill you. They will. Have a, have a guide and have someone to do that. So you don't like do like uh, opiates or cocaine or anything no, like that. No. no like, how about MDMA? You would do that? I've always wanted to try it. I never had an opportunity to do it too, though. Okay. So you are not in recovery. No. No, me neither. But I do appreciate learning about all that stuff from Sam. I think it's really cool, and I think there's a lot of really great stuff. And honestly, I think everyone should go through recovery. What does that mean to go through recovery? I don't know, find something and go through those steps because they're like, the more I learn about it, the more I'm like that. Then initiation that I think everyone should go through. Not to say that everyone needs to go out and get addicted to something. And, right. But I think to do the self-reflection and have, you know, they call them sponsors, and th- I think. and But mm-hmm. I think to have a personal mentor that's not about business or academic growth, but just you as a human getting better at being a human. And, mm-hmm. you know, they have, the, they have the shared experience of sobriety that they can touch on. But Are you thinking about working the steps yourself in some capacity? Yeah, of course. Cool. Do you have a favorite step? Um, no, I don't know yet. <laughs> okay. But I think Sam's got a lot of wisdom from from that. Yes, yeah. Our, our culture really lacks a spiritual structure. Well, I think we're living in the fallout of this independent individualism lie that we've been telling ourselves for the past 150 years. Say more about that. I think that there, there's this this weird American fetish with the individual saying that, being an independent individual who can do everything. I think about it as sort of the Tony Stark mentality of, oh, you're an engineer. Oh, you're also a superhero. Oh, you're also this. You're also that. You have to be able to do all of these things on your own or the, you know, the Batman complex where it's like, oh, you, you're a super genius and super strong and super fit. You're self-sufficient on your own. And it, you know, it's all just sort of building on the, the lone cowboy out in the middle of the forest doing cowboy shit. Yeah. Um, but it's like, that's not how society works. That's not how people work. We're yeah. a, I think we are a, functionally a hive animal. Yeah, um, for sure. There's whole swaths of things that I have no idea how to do, but other humans do, and I rely on them all the time. That doesn't make me weak, but we sort of have this thing of, oh, you need to do things on your own, be by yourself. And, right. and I think that from what I've seen as an outsider looking in on the steps is sort of like, I think it's step two that where you just release to another, a higher power of, mm-hmm. you know, a, a God or whatever that you, of your choosing, I think is the language they use. Do you believe in all that? No, but I, uh, finding that outside help, mm-hmm. I think is the greater community that, that is extraordinarily important. Yeah, for sure. So you don't have a spiritual life, you wouldn't say like, you don't believe in God, but you- no, I, I was a pretty, annoying atheist as a teenager like Uh, like a lot of people who grew up in the bay area are how about now um then i did lsd and i became extraordinarily spiritual oh tell me what what was that was was a weird gift i didn't expect that can you tell me about that yeah so i i did lsd on the great conjunction a couple years ago what's the great conjunction what what two planets were they two planets were 
uh, eclipsing each other on the solstice. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I had eye surgery a year before and I was having difficulty uh, recovering. It was laser eye surgery and I, they got my prescription spot on. So math wise, it was perfect. But I guess my whole life up to that point, I'd been over focusing and straining my eyes. I went to the doctor. I'm like, why am I still not seeing clearly? And the doctor was basically like, you're over-focused and, and you need to relax. And I'm like, well, how do I do that? They're like, well, you can't. They're involuntary muscles. And I was like, all right, cool. Well, I'm going to go do some LSD and stare off into at these planets kind of coming <laughs> together. And Because it, 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 it was distance vision that I was having difficulty with. And so I was like, what's the furthest away thing I can look at? Well, some, some far off planets. And so it was about sunset. I took it and I was looking at the stars, kind of watching them. And I Are you was, alone? Um, there are people in the house, but I was by myself. Yeah, I was how doing old, it on my own. How old were you? This two years ago at this okay. point. Yeah, and I was sort of looking off, and I was thinking like, relax your eyes, relax your eyes, relax your eyes, relax your eyes. And that whole evening, I was relaxing my eyes, looking at the stars and stuff. And it was also right around Christmas time. This was a sol- the the winter solstice. There were Christmas lights out. And I ended up going for a walk. I wouldn't advise that. That was kind of dumb on my part, but a little bit. I was doing my own thing. Again, I, I, I bash the fierce independence, but I'm also I'm also suffering from that upbringing that I'm mm-hmm. fiercely independent on doing that kind of thing. So I was thinking this whole time, like, look off, look off. Then at a certain point, I kind of lose lose the plot. But the next morning when I woke up, my vision was extraordinarily clear. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, so it straight up was just like... But you had a spiritual experience as well? No. When I woke up, I was like, cool, my eyeballs are all better. That's awesome. Thank you, mind-altering substance. I appreciate that, and I put it away. <laughs> and like... A week later, I was thinking about plants and, and mushrooms and, and cats and dogs and, and things. And I was working on a clock and I was looking at it like it was an old one. It was about 100 years old and I was working on it and I was getting it working. And I was just thinking about the people who made it and the other people who had worked on it. Because you'll scratch your initials and the date when you're working on a clock. That way you can kind of look and see when the last time it was serviced. Mm-hmm. And if they did a bad job, you you have someone you can swear at. God damn it, S S F, like whatever, like yeah, you jerk, you idiot, like what, what the hell do you know? Yeah, and I, I don't know. I just found myself in the forest and like, wow, like all these trees are connected. I don't, you took Ver- more drugs? No, no, no. This was just me out in the forest with Veronica. We were, she was looking for mushrooms. The next day? No, no, no. This was like a month later. A month later. Yeah, okay. it was, it was a slow burn, and all of a sudden, I, I found myself. I must like, spent some good acid. I found myself just like, wow, like I am a part of this planet. I am. I am experiencing these trees. These trees are experiencing me and however they experience things. And I think Elon Musk was sending stuff into space and talking about sending people to Mars and shit. And I I was just thinking about how I am not just an individual. I am a person. Veronica is a person, but we are people together. Mm -hmm. And then these trees that we were looking at were trees. And and it was, I, I was having difficulty coming up with a distinction of me and everyone else. I think I had a cut on my on my leg. We were hiking or something. And I had a little drop of blood that landed and I was looking at it and I'm watching it dry up. And it was sort of like, that was me. It's not me anymore. At what point did it stop being me? And it was like when it left my leg, I guess, but it was still alive. It was still doing mm-hmm. all of its blood things. It just wasn't inside me anymore. Mm-hmm. But then it, it couldn't sustain itself outside of me and it just kind of dried up and it became part of, I guess, carbon going out back in the forest or whatever. And, and I was thinking about astronauts in space, that there are these little drops of earth blood flinging themselves out that without help they'll just die Mm -hmm. if they go to a different planet and start doing their own thing that's like if that drop of blood i had went off and became another creature like it wouldn't be me anymore Mm -hmm. i mean it would be a clone of me i guess i don't know these were the thoughts i was having and in that i i found a sort of a spirituality that we're all connected and we're all one well you know trees are connected they're you know about this whole thing but their roots 
Yeah, yeah the roots are all connected. Oh, and then they nice. work with mushrooms to transfer nutrients from the dirt and the, yeah. everything into them. And they communicate with each other and we can communicate. And I was hanging out looking at some birds and the birds were all doing their thing and they were aware of me. I was aware of them. And yeah, I tell people, people always talk about psychic powers. And I said, you know, I think language is a psychic power. Oh, yeah. You're, you, I can speak or write and put what's in my head in someone else's head. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. I can pick up books and read books and that that's magic right there. That, yeah. That's a person that's been dead so long and they're able to talk to me. I, I, I just think about it from the point of view of other animals on this planet that mm-hmm. that we can go out in the forest and and do something. And like, it's it's magic. They, they look at us and it's just like, how how are they coordinating their attacks so effectively? <laughs> I think the closest is like wolves or something, and yeah. it's like we look at them like, oh wow, look at them taking it down. It's like, well, we're do you, like really good at that. Do you believe in an afterlife? No. You think we just stop when we die? Well, I'm not sure we started. Like, do you think consciousness continues after we die? I'm not 100 percent sure. I've been conscious this whole time. Like, it's like I don't remember being a little kid. I don't remember being in the womb. I don't remember before I was born. Mm-hmm. I'm aware of this moment. And mm-hmm. I'm aware of that I will likely have moments in the future and I'll have moments in the past. But do you think that we have moments after we die? I'm not 100% sure what death is at this point. Ooh. Yeah. That's a very interesting response, yeah. Reese. So my consciousness is what I am perceiving as me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, like, I, you, you've been asleep or you close your eyes and you open up, you open up your eyes the next moment and it's daytime. Mm-hmm. I wasn't conscious through any of that. Did I exist in a mechanical way? Yeah. But mm-hmm. my stream of consciousness had stopped. Mm hmm. There are moments that last a long time. There's moments that go by really quick. So not even the march of time is consistent for me going through life. And I assume for other people, it's not. I think there are people always lament, oh, you get older and time speeds up and Mm -hmm. all that BS talking about your percentage of your life gone by and how fast and slow you experience Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but there's times I'm, you know, doing something boring and it's taking a very long time. And so I imagine in the last moments that I have not yet experienced, I have no idea what time would feel like at that point so mm-hmm. it could be that i'll be permanently frozen in my oh, last moment it'd be that, like a like an event horizon yeah that, black that, hole. <laughs> but my conscious as far as my consciousness is concerned does it end i don't know maybe it does maybe it goes back to what it was like before i was born i don't have any accessible memories of that mm-hmm. so i don't i don't really so know. your 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 kind of answer is well probably not but really i don't know i think from an outside perspective yes i will stop my, I will stop having a direct influence on the universe that I exist in. Mm-hmm. From my own point of view, which is, I think, the question people are really struggling with when they're asking this, is how will it feel for me? Because mm-hmm. you can see other people die, and you're like, yes, that's sad. I'm sad that that person has died, but it is always an other. And I think that when you yourself, I myself die, mm-hmm. it'll be a wholly different experience because I'm going through this massive transformation. I see. You're like the drop of blood joining the, yeah. who knows? Yeah. Like, I don't know what that blood experience is. And that goes back to your point about individualism. Like, once we die, maybe we stop becoming individualistic and there's yeah. a wholly different level of consciousness yeah. that involves I go back into the earth and it gets remade. I, if, I have, if I have kids, they will continue on doing things. Mm-hmm. So I, I, the answer is, I don't know. Yeah. Um, is my consciousness part of a, a longer tradition of, of a family? Yeah. There are things that my dad's taught me. There's stuff that my grandpa's taught me and on their stuff that yeah. all of them have taught them. And so is their consciousness living on in me? Yeah. Like there are me- methods, both genetic and psychological that I am building on that were given to me as gifts from people who came before me. Yeah. I work sometimes with patients who are having uh, grief from losing a loved one. Mm-hmm. If it's, if it's been a while anyway, a few years, I talk about that, the, you know, the, the total aggregate of memories that you have about that person. I mean, even though it's in a different part of your brain, 
the long-term memory, it's not appreciably different, at least in my opinion, I suppose you should ask a neuroscientist this, than your actual living experience of them. Because we don't act, we, we record, we see things, record them in our head, and we, the, the neurons go in and translate the images and says, this is what you're seeing, right? Yeah. And if that's the case, you can kind of talk to the person. And if that's the case, I wonder if the person, like you said, is is in a way, and and I don't want to say they use the word literal, but there's a, there should be a word for it that, that lives on, like the, the person is actually has, like I wonder if the memories of somebody have their own agency they, they don't even have to be dead in my opinion there are people who i know well enough that i can right. experience in my own head like for instance sam or yeah or I, I, there are people that you just you know and you're like oh yeah i know how they would react to that yeah even that is them exist a fragment of them existing inside your inside your own mind that yeah. you can access i know a guy who's his his understanding of pop culture is unparalleled mm-hmm just unparalleled and whenever i see something weird on tv or something weird in the news that is that i don't really get i kind of access that and i ask him like what the fuck is mm-hmm. th- what is this and it, it kind of sometimes works it's yeah. weird yeah so anyway i'm getting to know i'm getting to know you reese i'm asking Good. you all these questions is it's like well how do you get to know somebody well you dig you ask the interesting questions you ask them who they are and what they're about and uh what's their favorite color and why do they like apples so much that's so weird and why does this guy like browns and grays i don't know but that's what he likes you know i don't I, my favorite color is purple that's my least favorite color <laughs> oh that fuck you then <laughs> Vignelli Red is also good. What is it? Vignelli Red. What the fuck is Vignelli Red? Massimo Vignelli was a designer. He was a oh, typographer. He he's a guy who uh, designed the the New York City subway maps. And he's the one who really got Helvetica as the default for good design in the 20th century. Okay. And he had this red that he used on everything that, that has been called Vignelli Red. And it's sort of a reddish orange color to it. Sounds awful. Yeah. it's it's. I like it a lot. Um <laughs> But I also feel like a massive douchebag when I admit how much I like that color because it does look good. It does look good? Yeah. It, it, it's just like, yeah, you're a good good graphic designer. I like the way you look. He came up with this whole grid system. Why does it make you a massive douchebag? Because you like somebody's color. I don't know. It's just waving the I went to design school flag. Wow. I don't okay. Know. That's a different universe I don't know nothing about. Uh, what else should I know about you, Reese? I was born August 5th, 1986. Okay. That's, that's, that's good. It's a start. Mm-hmm. What else? Uh, I have brown hair, brown eyes. You do? You about do. 25 pounds overweight do you exercise no i should though i should eat better and i should exercise i could take There's a lot of shoulds wait well, well, well you should do jujitsu with me want to do jujitsu okay. really um with jujitsu i don't know i just have a i, I remember vividly being in kindergarten mm-hmm. and dad picking me up and he had a a pamphlet yeah, for karate and he's like do you want to do karate and i just looked him straight in the face and i said i'm not a violent person and i do not want to do karate okay and it was a very genuine response and he never asked me again we did baseball mm-hmm. and i just i really don't like fighting mm. and okay. even if it's if it's a part of the exercise or it's mm-hmm. any of that stuff i was curious i tried it and i was like no this is even the the sort of the pantomime or the or the thought experiment of getting into an altercation like that i find repulsive okay so I, that's why I liked I like cross country. Mm-hmm. Although I did wrestling in, in middle school and I enjoyed that. That's definitely violence. Yeah, but I think it was mostly they had the hardest workout, and that's what I liked doing. Oh, and then I switched to cross country, and I'm like, this is just working out. This is why, great. Why don't you start an exercise program? I don't know. I could put you on one. I'm just when I'm, I'm trying to find ways. I'm trying to find ways to bond with you, motherfucker. Yeah. So I'm saying this is one of my things. If you want to go to the gym, I would love to go to the gym. Okay. The happiest I ever was when I was doing when I was when I was doing powerlifting and and weightlifting with dude. Sarah. Well, let's go do that. Okay. When I'll be in Marin more often. So what we can do is is that I can take you up on a trail or something. We could run up a hill, mm-hmm. and then we'll, I'll make you do a bunch of push ups and sit ups and okay. climb trees and and I'd just like that. just make you 
to lose your mind. I'm going to so, be able to do pull-ups again. Those were good. Yeah, you got to lose some weight for that. I know. Pull-ups are hard. I know. The hardest ones are when you reach behind your back and, and ugh. Can you do those? No, I can't do one of those. Of course you can't. Lie to me. I can't. I can't. I can do the chin-ups. I cannot yeah. do a pull-up without uh, an assistant. It's, yeah. it's too. I used to be able to years, um, a million years ago. Yeah. What do you want to know about me since we're going to know each other? You can ask anything. What did you do before you did therapy? I was a paralegal. Paralegal? Down the street from Sam's house, actually. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. In the mission or? No, in Fairfax. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was a paralegal for a couple of years. And before that, I was a chess instructor. I taught little kids how to play chess. Nice. And I did some English tutoring as well. Essays and stuff. Okay. I have a, I have a master's in writing, so I nice. did that. And why did you switch? Paralegaling sucks. Yeah. It's really, really drudgerous, horrible work. Thank Did you want to be an attorney? Like I was, was thinking about okay. it. I didn't know. And I realized completely and fully that absolutely not do I want yeah. to be an attorney. And then I met a girl who I thought at the time was good. And I thought, oh, shit, I better get my life together. So I went back to school. My dad was a, was a psychiatrist. So I kind of like, I knew I would be a decent therapist. And I knew I could make money at it. Your parents alive? My mom. Okay. My dad died of being Jewish. What's that mean? He was he was so he was so afraid and neurotic, like just always kvetching about his heart and this and that and on and on and on and on and on. And then one day it got him. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's kind of a dark joke, but yeah. sorry, Dad, I had to I had to put it out there in the universe. And my dad had a heart attack. I Did he? That. Yeah. Died? No, pulled right through that. Oh, didn't okay. stop, didn't slow him down. My dad's a very good athlete. Oh wow, very strong. Oh, interesting. Uh, so yeah. you got some of that in your blood. Hopefully. How about your mom? She is a fabulous athlete as well. Are they married still? No. Uh, they got divorced when I was 18. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. They started, I think, when I was maybe 16, but they weren't actually divorced oh. until I was 19. They were separated when I was 18. I so it sounds like things probably between the ages of like when you were 10 and 15, probably pretty intense in the house. No, it started when I was about 16. They hid it from us pretty well, I think. Are you good at hiding things? Very. Oh, what do you hide? Oh, the rage I was talking about earlier. Okay. I suffer from micro expressions that my loved ones can see really easily, though, which like, is terrible. Like what? Uh, disgust is very clear on my face. Oh. And then I do find lots of things disgusting. What's wrong with just expressing your disgust openly and just not being micro about it? Why don't you be macro? Like, fuck, this is gross. Uh, that's who I was when I was 18, 19, 20, 21. What and happened? Uh, I was accused of being a massive elitist snob. Who accused you of that? Friends, family. Because you were expressing yourself? Yeah. You were a massive elitist snob because you were expressing disgust. Like mm -hmm. you were like, oh, I'm above this. I wouldn't say I'm above this. I just, I find that disgusting. When I was, that, that was their perception. Like you, you yeah. Okay. But that's preposterous. Yeah. I, I felt it was horrifically unfair and did untold damage to me. You also have an IQ of like a billion. So I think when you're, you probably. No, I know tricks to make me seem smart. I'm actually very dumb. Are you? I have no idea. Well, if you know tricks to make yourself seem smart, you kind of are smart. Yeah, right? I think I think I I faked it until it was just the way I am. So, what do you like to do besides uh, nerd out on computers and build stuff? Do you have any hobbies? Uh, I I read a lot, which is boring as hell. I like doing puzzles and other other things kind of go along with that territory. I'm that annoying person that will call you and talk on the phone. I'm really into that. Okay. Much to many people I know's. Lots of self-deprecation in your responses. Yeah. What, what's that about? I'm uncomfortable talking about myself. Why is that? I don't know. I think it's being a white cis male growing up in the Bay Area that I am that I need to uh, apologize for all of that. I'm just kidding. No, that's not it. I think what it is is, um, I don't know. I, I just don't like talking about myself. Okay. Yeah, that's what it is. It's extraordinarily difficult, and I was looking forward to it because I do like doing stuff that's hard. How is this experience for you right now? Um, I'm really enjoying all of the questions. You are? I am. Why yeah. are you enjoying them? 
it's alien and weird and different it's nice to have someone out know want to know who the fuck you are yeah yeah yeah, yeah you're, you're you're uncomfortable talking about yourself yeah i'm very private i'm a very private person what do you think you're protecting or are you protecting something i think a very sensitive little kid yeah. i think is i i think like sam i was my, my sensitivity setting was too high yeah to interface with the world that we live in is that what the rage is about no i think that's separate i think that's a different thing oh okay i think the frustration that things aren't what they should be is different than the sensitivity i don't know okay i do feel like i know you a lot better now yeah that was really gratifying and so once again today we are talking about what it takes to get to know somebody yeah is there anything about yourself that you wanted to add before i move on to a few other things any weird stuff about you that i should know well everyone's weird well, i know that but some are more weirder than others really yeah oh. like sam is really weird and i am really all of us are real outliers really yes oh I yes i am a bizarre man he is a bizarre man and you are a bizarre man okay and we are somehow making this shit work which is crazy do we know any normal people there are normal people is that um, a thing yeah there's an island yeah it's somewhere in the pacific i thought we were all just faking it in order to interface more effectively with each other it's possible one could say that the human psyche is so differentiated that finding a normal is, is mathematically very difficult yeah um so Part of the reason I was talking to Sam yesterday in our interview about his sort of choosing of me as a friend, which I found to be kind of amazing because I don't, it doesn't happen to me very often. It's hard to make friends when you're older, you know? Is it? Yeah, at least for me. And his thing was that I had stuck around while he was pretty depressed. And I had at one point offered to fund one of his operations and that blew him away. And I didn't think anything of it. It was kind of like a perfect storm of, mm-hmm. of good stuff. But Sam has made it one of his missions. I believe I'm quoting him, is to sort of surround himself with the grounded salt of the earth types, not look for the sexy option. And I, and I agree with that. Part of the reason I like our operation is because it's, it's sexy, but it's not really sexy. I mean, it's like we're doing a space where we can do interviews and stuff. I mean, how sexy is that? It's not like we're making movies, you know, it's pretty grounded in reality. And I feel like you're pretty salt of the earth and I think I'm pretty salt of the earth. And Sam is sort of like that he's an interesting being i feel like he's got one foot in one foot out i don't know where the other foot is though but it ain't here that's my sense of sam i think we're all looking for stability i think that that sam is just extraordinarily articulate and open about his needs Mm -hmm. and i think there's things that i do that i don't recognize as looking for stability okay and looking for consistency i like that answer i do recognize and respect sam's intense honesty and openness It's it's amazing isn't it yeah i love it I think we're all three of us are that way. Yeah. I don't think we, I don't think we'd cover up anything. No, I don't think we bullshit a lot, which I appreciate. Yeah. We were standing next to you looking over your shoulder on the computer and you said, you guys need to go stand over there so I can do this. And you weren't being mean. It was just clear. It's yeah. Like, oh, it's so nice that he said I that. like clear communication a lot. Yeah. It's so, it's so nice. So Sam went through kind of a dark period. Yeah. Uh, a, couple, a couple years back. And yeah. how did you support him in all that? What'd you do? Uh, I was always available, but I also recognize when this is a Samism, but I use it a lot. I didn't have a good word for it, but knowing your help's not helpful. And there were times where I was like, if Sam needs me, he can call me and he would, but I can't fix this for him. It's not my job and it's not, saying it's not my job sounds cold, but it's not that it's, I don't have the tools and I'm not the right person to help with this. So I did step back for a little bit, not out of malice or anger or Mm -hmm. resentment. It was Mm -hmm. just your help's not helpful right now. And Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Besides the frenetic energy that he brings to your life to kind of kickstart your kind of, I don't know, was the word inertia? What else does he bring to your life? Uh, he's a great friend. Uh, he's a wonderful person. What makes him a great friend? I think the same thing that makes him a good interviewer. He asks the questions he wants 
to get the answers to. And he listens and he just listens and listens. And then just when you're when you think you got away with whatever bullshit yarn you fed to him, mm-hmm. he'll turn around and take the entire thing apart and redirect to where the conversation should go and needs mm-hmm. to go. And just his ability to really call out your own bullshit as bullshit mm-hmm. is extraordinarily helpful in developing as a person. And he'll give you his honest opinion. And his opinion is also almost always extraordinarily insightful and good. Okay. He is extraordinarily intelligent. Yeah, he is. He calls bullshit for bullshit. Mm -hmm. And he almost always has a personal anecdote or story that is applicable to whatever you're going through. Yeah. He's like, I too have gone through this. And through that, that connection that he can create, he'll get real answers and and talk about things in a real way. And I really appreciate that. That whole um, facade that everyone puts up, that whole social media thing that he's always railing against. He really lives what he talks about. I yeah, really appreciate he, that. he certainly does. The way you describe him reminds me of the way you were describing those trees. Yeah, all the connectedness. Like there's yeah. no like trees don't bullshit each other. No, it's just here's this here's this fungus. Yeah, here <laughs> here's you know, this chemical. works. Yeah, yeah. It's very let's entangle our roots. Yeah, I really like the way he talks about things. But you know, there's times where he's like, I need by myself. He checks out and he's by himself. You have a hard time reading him. I always have to ask him, "How are you doing?" Like he does the thing like when he eats, he gets really tired. And I think mm-hmm. that in checked out and I can't tell if he's, to me, it looks like overwhelmed for some reason, Yeah, but it's not. It's just that he's tired. I think that I have been hanging out with him enough where when he says something, I just believe him. Like, so he's like, I'm, I'm tired. I'm like, cool. Like, oh, I see what you mean. I think that there's a lot of bullshitting that goes on mm-hmm. where people will say, oh, well, it's not like, oh, well, what's actually going on? You know, there's times where I'm like, oh, did I piss him off? Or, oh, is he mad at me? Or, oh, what's going on? Is mm-hmm. he, is he depressed? Blah, 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 blah. And I trust him as a friend to tell me what's happening. And it's really, it's on him if he not, doesn't tell the truth. Yeah. And that's something that for friendships, you know, I think sometimes people get into these things where one friend isn't really clear about what mm-hmm. they were feeling or experiencing. And then the other friend doesn't do the thing because yeah. they didn't know. And I think a lot of people who project what they want mm-hmm. you to do on you. And mm-hmm. then when you don't do it, they get mad. And mm-hmm. it's just like, fuck off. That's, yeah. I can't, I, it's not my job to read your mind. And even if I could, that's not right either. Yeah. Like one of my, one of my best friends, Andy is, he's ferociously authentic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he will tell you what he thinks in that moment, what he thinks of you, what he thinks of your mom and what, and, and, and he'll just like, like nothing is hidden. Mm-hmm. He'll just say it all, and you can say to him, "Well, fuck you. You're a blah 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 blah." And he'll and, and and that's fine. Authenticity and straightforward communication and just clarity is. If you can't have that, you can't have a relationship with somebody. Well, I mean, some people do. And they don't work so good. I don't think. Um, I have never had one, so I can't judge. One of those types of relationships. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, I mean, there are people that, that they're muddy. Yeah, there are people. I mean, there's plenty of people I don't keep in contact with, and I think they. I think it happens a lot in romantic relationships. People don't want to be authentic because they're afraid of destroying the relationship, or they're mm. afraid of hurting the person. You know. Yeah. But I, I think that Sam has been through so much that he doesn't. He know he knows you can't hurt him, and he knows that he can't really hurt you. Um, yeah. Um. So I think we're done with that piece. I wanted to talk a little bit about where you think the project is going. Uh, with the three of us um yeah so uh, i think we can start getting people in and recording things and doing videos that kind mm -hmm. of stuff and i think that'll be great but i think where i want to focus is continuing to try different content and release it on different platforms until we have something that really resonates and then we can make more of it and then continue getting different personalities in there I was reading about Dino De Laurentiis. He did uh, Barbarella and a bunch of other low-budget movies mm-hmm. uh, in the 60s and 70s and stuff. And a lot of people got their start there because he would hire brand new people who were wanted to get in, And he had a small budget. And he was like, make it work. 
And you just kept on giving people the opportunity to do stuff. And I think that with the equipment and the setup we have, we could start doing something similar to that where it's like, hey, look, you have an idea for a show. Let's see what it looks like. Just go make something, do something. And if people like it, they'll watch it. I have this really good friend named, named Eric. And he has a show, but he just he, he's a, a wonderful person. I adore him. Goes through very thick, depressive episodes. A fabulous artist. But with this whole rugged individualism thing, there's this expectation, oh, well, you also need to create your own content, you need to sell your own content. And I see so many artists fail on the business end or the distribution end. And mm-hmm. it's just like, what a bullshit reason to silence somebody. Yeah. The only artists we get are the ones that can self-promote. Yeah. That's a great voice that we have yeah. completely saturated the universe with. Well, it's what's why you probably see all these insane uh, movie stars. Yeah. In order to succeed, you need to be you need to be spiritually broken. That's not who we should be listening to. That's not how we should get the microphone. I agree. And yet they're the ones who are the most successful at it. Mm-hmm. And so if we can create an environment where we get people who, yeah, they wouldn't make it on their own with their own business prowess or their own promotion prowess. If we can create a system that is supportive and loving that can create more content, I mm-hmm. think we'll get more authentic, better content. Okay. I think with the whole saturation of the flashy facade of I got my 100 million views on YouTube and I got my Lamborghini, I got this, blah, 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 blah. I think we can create content on the other side of that. I think we're going to hit a pendulum shift where people are going to be done with that. I think the whole billionaire lust is kind of has lost its its shine. You know, like, oh, Elon Musk, oh, Steve Jobs, oh, Bill Gates, blah, 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 blah. And I feel like over the past couple of years, the zeitgeist and for how people are feeling about these people has really shifted. Mm-hmm. And I think it's sort of moving back to community, I hope, yeah. and compassion and love. I'm really seeing an, a, quite a, a theme here with you of, yeah. of community theme connectedness. Yeah. You really did have a spiritual awakening. It yeah, sounds like. I, I know what I want. Wow. Uh, I know that? I know what I what I think the universe needs more of and, and what is that passion love and community excellent I really believe that so you know I'm like hey Eric we have you know he, he was producing content with his with his iPhone holding it in front like just holding it and, and it was it was beautiful I love his YouTube channel right and it's like well, let's just put you in a, in a bigger studio and do this let's get your content bigger and better and out there and we'll distribute we'll do all this stuff I think that communities will ultimately prevail as the stronger organism yeah than the do-it-all batman well even like Bruce Wayne those those shows like i think there's one called alone where they put mm-hmm. people out in the wilderness and compete to mm-hmm. i think they're totally unrealistic because that's not how people survive they survive in communities yeah well reese i think we're done okay uh it was really fabulous thank you so much my pleasure so thank you for listening as always if you have any questions or you would like to be a guest on my show you can at benjaminrusick at gmail.com that's b-e-n-j-a-m-i-n-r-u-s-s-a-c-k at gmail.com or you can visit my website at benjaminrusick.com thanks again and remember if you ever find your plate is full well consider getting yourself a larger plate